Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. It looked a little different than what we expected, but Tyler Huntley stepped up in a big way to take down the Bears. Let's go, Tyler. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Paul and I am joined by my friends who I met on the internet. Although there are now not that many of us, just the three musketeers, Ian Demain and Shane Richmond, as both James and Ben are out touring the US. Shane, you're going. It's just me and Ian that are getting left behind. That's not very fair, is it? It's not. It's not fair at all. But there's still time. You can you can find your way to the States surely before Christmas. I'm getting married next year, so it's definitely not going to happen for me. Ian, what's your excuse? I haven't got one, sadly, which is oh. it's very disappointing. But no, I'm just, yeah, left left behind. I mean, James has been in the... It wasn't in the group chat. It was directly to me just saying that we should all try and get a podcast trip next year, which sounds like a lovely idea. But once again, I am getting married, so we will have to see how we go. Yeah. Shane, you were on Twitter this Sunday as it was a 6pm game. How was your evening? I think I managed to hold off despair. I kind of realised as there were um, some some people in our mentions getting very angry, I was suddenly <laughs> thinking, I hope my tone doesn't sound too angry, that mostly I am sort of joking when I'm kind of suggesting. At one point I did say that uh, the the... The, the Ravens' defence had forced a punt, which unfortunately means the offence has to come back onto the field again. <laughs> but I didn't really mean it like that's a, that's a terrible thing. Um, so it did make me kind of aware that perhaps I should make sure that my, my uh, tweets are just read with the humour they're in rather than coming across as an increasingly a- angry and uh, annoyed person. And I was quite annoyed by Chris Westry by the end of the game, yeah. but I've calmed down now. You did get after Westry, and you called the game over as well, sort of. I did, and people really got on <laughs> me after that and normally i'm really i'm quite careful to sort of say well this could happen or that could happen i th- I, I thought it was done when they scored that touchdown i just thought it's too much to heart to ask of huntley no disrespect but it's been what 58 minutes and 30 seconds without getting inside the 20 it's a big big ask to do it right now and fantastic final drive so he absolutely deserved it so shane was on the twitter i'm not sure if ian was busy but i kept off twitter but i did go into the uk ravens message group and have a full-on breakdown just to myself because no one was replying to me so i just ended up having a good five minutes of just messaging myself various different times in the group saying oh andy dalton and fourth along what could possibly go wrong <laughs> anyway let's get into the game review it somehow turned out to be a 16 to 13 win over the bears at soldier field shame we had a bit of news before the game that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play and by the looks of him getting on the coach it should have never been a consideration that he might play it's a complete mystery as to why they thought that he might be okay to play from what people were saying afterwards because if you watch the press conferences immediately after the game almost every question of every person who came up so Tyler Huntley obviously was up and uh, Harbaugh was obviously up and uh, I think um well, I can't remember who else, but there were sort of, you know, four or five uh, Ravens people and all of them were just asked continually about Lamar. How was he? When did you hear he wasn't going to play? Did you think he might be OK to play? Uh, and somebody, I think it might have been Marlon Humphrey, um, who said that he saw he saw, Mar- he saw Lamar on the plane to Chicago, curled up in a ball um, because he was feeling so bad. And that's... 
that doesn't make you think, yeah, I'm sure this guy will be fine to play football tomorrow, does it? I mean, it just, I don't know. Even for the powers of recovery of a 24-year-old, that's a stretch. It was one of the few games that I was sort of ready to go early. I was cooking tea in the kitchen, had the TV on, I had game day morning on. And all the guys at game day morning were like, this guy does not look like a starting quarterback. He looks like he's just hanging on and struggling to stand up. He looked like an absolute shell and, and ghost of himself. But Ian, luckily, Tyler Huntley came to the rescue and we had a bit of a different performance from him. Started off really slow, but I think if you watch the first play that Tyler Huntley threw and the last play, it looked like those plays were weeks apart, not just a few hours apart. Yeah, and credit credit to him. I don't know how much how much time he got before the game. Um, don't know how how long before he knew he was going to be starting, but but he did what he needed to do. Um, I thought we'd go really conservative. I thought we'd rush the ball sort of fifty times and and take the ball out of his hands. He he threw the ball thirty six times, which which is a huge number for a for a backup quarterback. So they they showed some some faith in him. He he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. He's averaging six yards an attempt. Mark Andrews was was obviously his his safety blanket. Um, the two longest throws he made were on that that final drive, the one on the sideline to Duvarney, um, <laughs> our new favourite wide receiver, and uh, and then to Sammy Watkins, the the, the play after I think it was. But he, but he did what what a backup quarterback's meant to do. He he took care of the ball mostly. He he started off running with the ball like it was a loaf of bread, and that was that was worrying me a little bit. He obviously lost the fumble that went out of the sideline. I'm pretty sure he got a, a stern telling to um, hold on to the ball. He had the one unfortunate interception, which a few people are getting on the play call. A few people are getting on him. I, th- I th- it was it was just a bit of a freak play to be honest. He was a little bit late throwing the ball, and and the the guy just rolled over on top of Andrews, and, and the ball was still there. I'm not sure it was there was much to that at all. Um, and I think back when we had Gordon on the podcast right at the start, he said if. Huntley came in. He he thought he could keep us around five hundred, and I think that's that's exactly what you saw from him. It was, it wasn't special, but it was it was good enough. Yeah, and I think when you see the caliber of the opposition, um, you know there are tougher teams down the road who he would have had a, a much more difficult time coming in against. But um, he he did a really solid job, and he made some really good plays at certain points. And a lot of the stuff that was not really working with the offense was stuff that also hasn't really been working when Lamar's been back there. So there was a lot of stuff where you thought, well, you know, Lamar would probably have spotted some open guys more quickly. He would have been a bit more aggressive with where he was going with the ball. Um, But equally, he's been holding onto the ball a little bit too long, and and Huntley did the same on Sunday. Um, I I don't think it was... They they weren't worlds apart as, as in terms of the performance. It was just that, obviously, Lamar is an exceptional... Um, athlete and and Huntley's decent but you know not at that kind of level yeah I think it must have been an odd week for him so he's gone into the week thinking okay there's a chance we're going to start this game Lamar's not very well by Friday was it that Lamar practiced I think Lamar practiced on Friday so he then settles into I mean they always say as a backup quarterback you've got to be ready because you could be going in at any second but I think he probably had that little bit of deflation on the Friday where he's spent all week getting ready but actually Lamar's going to come back and play and then he's got on the play and seen his starting quarterback curled up on a ball and thought okay I'm going in here and to to shoulder everything that he did on that final drive after having a 
a, a, so, like I say, a so-so, a 500-like performance. It was right down the middle. He wasn't doing anything special, but he also wasn't throwing the game away. But then to go out with, what was it, 1 minute 22 on the clock, something like around there, uh, and drive the team down the field, it, it was sensational. And one of the reasons he was in a position to do that is the defence really came to play and they shut both Chicago Bears quarterbacks down, didn't they, Shane? They did. Um, I mean, it's sort of debatable the extent to which they sh- shut Dalton down, but certainly they <laughs> did, you know, they, they did enough against Dalton in the end and um, they were doing absolutely fine against Fields, who people have been saying, you know, we I kind of expected more having heard what I'd heard about how Fields was growing into his game and how he was becoming more impressive. I thought he would he would cause them a few more problems than he did, but he looked like your standard rookie QB facing a Wink Martindale defense, not really sure where people were coming from and, and when they were coming. And I think the, the performance of Tyus Bowser, um, definitely his best game as a Raven, and absolutely... It, it, anyone who thought that he was kind of the second prize when Judon went in the offseason, I think looking at that performance, he played not just a, a good game as a pass rusher, but a good all-round defensive game as well. Um, a strip sack, a sack on the final play of the game. He was aware enough not to drive Dalton into the ground and pro- possibly give them another chance. He just wrapped him up and held him there, uh, waiting for the clock to run out. It was very alert, very smart. Um, the the forced fumble was recovered by Calais Campbell, who's who's not he's not been getting the kind of splash plays. He's not been getting masses of sacks. I don't think he's even really deflected as many passes as he did last year, but he's been consistently playing at a really high level week in, week out. And that was another really alert play by him. So all round, I mean, we will come to a couple of problems with the defense a bit later on, I'm sure, but um, all round, that was a pretty solid performance. It was really good to see him in the press conference because he was involved on the tackle that knocked Justin Fields out of the game. And I think he opened the press conference by saying, just with his best wishes and you never go out there intending to hurt someone and it's part of the game. And yeah, an awesome performance. Ian, another awesome performance. Patrick Queen, weak side linebacker, is starting to look like a different guy to what we saw at the start of the year. Yeah, he is, and I think I mentioned it last week that he's re- he's really come on, and and you saw it, uh, you saw it this game. There was the play where he he could see what was coming. If you if you watch that play back, it's the um the the running play to Montgomery. You can see Queen has obviously seen that play on film he looks at the formation just before they hand the ball off he takes a little couple of little steps to his left hand side shoots through the gap and and hits Montgomery in the backfield for a loss and that actually forced forced them into the the longer field goal attempt which I think they missed to to start the game um and he, he's just playing fast he's they've obviously taken a bit of responsibility off of off of his shoulders if you look at his PFF grade, he's still still not grading out massively highly against the pass, but but he's certainly certainly doing some good things against the run, um, and and looks like he's a transformed player. So one of the biggest factors that I say probably helped our defense is um, Matt Nagy is a bit of a terrible coach. Ned <laughs> Bellissimo um, last week rant a little bit about how bad Nagy was, but I've obviously I'm sure we've never really sat and watched the Bears this year to see how bad they were. Ian, that fourth down decision with the broken headset and the crowd booing, 
was that an Oscar-winning performance, or was the headset actually out there? Do you I, think? I, I think he, it was probably a, a very good act, acting job, wasn't it? He, he sent the the punt unit out there. The the booze rained down as rightly they they should have, and uh, and and he quickly changed his mind and and made a bit of a song and dance about it, and um, and and even then, like the call they played on for the play they called sorry on fourth and one the wildcat there was acres of space round to the left what montgomery was doing running straight into the line was was beyond me um they they shot themselves in the foot multiple times over and over in this game i think you have to feel pretty confident in your team getting a yard and i know that there have been instances you know, the, the Titans playoff game, for example, a couple of years ago where the Ravens failed uh, more than once to get a yard. But I think you have to feel pretty confident in doing that without necessarily having to put in some kind of trick play. And Montgomery was running, apart from that tackle for a loss by Queen, he was running the ball really well. I would have just put in your standard set and, and run one of the plays that you've been getting success with rather than trying to overthink it and put too much too much decision making on on Montgomery, but there were also other there were other points in that game as well where you just thought the the, the just the management of the game in game was was not very really very well done by Nagy, was it? No, just before we get off Oscar, we we talk about faking a foot injury because he couldn't get off the field in time but then as soon as the play sort of as soon as everyone acknowledged that he was hurt then did stay on the floor for five minutes and i've read that the ravens actually then put him as questionable to return yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've listened to a couple of things that said that he he obviously realized there was 12 men on the field he went down and and he hurt himself in the process of going down to the, oh, really? to the ground <laughs> so you know he he was genuinely hurt like going down so yeah it, it happens like th- he's not the first person that's done it and he and he won't be. i think the bears did it later in the game so it's 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 not the first time it's happened mark andrews then ian turned into tyler hunt he made th- 35 percent of huntley's total had an absolute screamer of a one hand catch to get the ball moving in the first quarter yeah that was the third down catch wasn't it where he sort of yes. i think shane shane said on twitter that he, that he climbed the ladder and it was for a guy that big to to get his body control sort of that high in the air one-handed he I, i've spoke about mark andrews before and said i think he's right in the top tier of tight ends and he still has this little habit of sometimes disappearing which i which i think is why why he's not talked about in that in that same tier but uh, the guy's outstanding. He had eight eight receptions on ten targets, seventy three yards, and like you say, he was just he was always available for Huntley as a security blanket. He he knows where the holes are in the zone. He's 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 always there. Um, and and there was the the interception, like I spoke about earlier. I I think that was just a a freak play. Honestly, I don't think there was any any blame on anyone for that one. No, I think Andrews figured that he dropped it and didn't realise where the ball had gone and the defender was smart enough to realise he had it in his hands. Who did that happen with the, f- the other way? It was Marlon, Marlon yeah. Who, um, yeah. Yeah, he didn't realise he had the pick in his hands. And threw but, it on the floor, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So he actually had, sorry, Tyler Hunter actually had quite a, a good supporting cast, Shane. We had Bateman and Sammy Watkins both step up in lieu of Marquise Brown, who also missed the game. Yeah, and... Um, I was I've been a little unsure about how Watkins was going to come back from his injury but he was um he I think he played a decent game three catches for 48 yards you can't complain about that um Bateman similarly three catches as well but just 29 yards for him uh, and he was targeted six times Bateman but he 
Huntley missed him on those other three, I think. You don't see him really drop passes. Um, and I don't know whether, I think possibly the biggest play Bateman had was the defensive um, pass interference. I don't know if that counts as one of his targets or not, but he played that brilliantly. Um completely left his man for dead with his 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 break off the line and then he was pulled back there was this sort of weird debate amongst the commentators as to was it a catchable ball or not well it was catchable enough for the flag to, to be thrown um and Bateman made sure that it was I think that was probably his his biggest contribution and it's uh it was a it was a veteran move from a rookie player I think the the Ravens have got very few pass interference calls over, over the last couple of seasons Bateman's already got three this this season, and and that's just um, James talks about his separation quickness. It's just his release off the line. He 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 knows where he's going. He gets away from people, and they start grabbing at him and 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 pushing him and, and holding him. And um, I, I don't care how how the yards come. It's the old Joe Flacco to Tory Smith play. If three yards, yeah. I'll, I'll take them. Yeah, don't hold me to this, but I think Bateman has every pass interference call we have this year. I think we only have the three that are to Bateman. I don't think we've had one for any other wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised. I can't think of another one off the top of my head, so I wouldn't be surprised. And some of it is is also the fact that he makes, you know, he, he lets the refs know that he was pulled back. And it does, for all the referees will tell you they're not influenced, you know, that it does have an effect if a player is obviously looking annoyed. Okay, so before we move on to the bad then, let's just mention Justin Tucker, three for three on field goals in the Windy City with a 46-yard long. Apparently, John Harbour had said that you could actually see the wind swirling around the stadium and it's just so impressive to see him, him do it. Yeah, and apparently the um, the field was like sand. Both Harbour and uh, the special teams coach said that it was basically sand painted green. So it was incredibly hard to to kick field goals on what passes for um, a, a football field in Chicago. Uh, and we saw that the other way. You know, they missed uh, what was it, forty yarder? It was it was shorter than that, forty six. And there was an instance early on where. The Ravens, I think, could have gone for one of about 56, something like that, and clearly decided that they weren't going to go for it. And I think we can we can see why if, if the field was that bad, because anyone who's ever tried running on sand, it's so hard to keep your footing and, and control where your weight goes, which is obviously vital to what Tucker does. So it's an incredible job for just for those nine points, very hard-earned nine points. So, as we transition into the bad, I am pleased to announce that we have been joined by a special guest from across the pond who's very quickly trying to get his microphone in position and unmute himself before he joins us. But we now have James Ogden joining the show. How are you doing, James? Hello, not bad. How, how are you guys? Very well, Good, thank, thank you. you. Good to see you. correspondent at the game. Correspondent at the <laughs> game, indeed. Exactly, yeah. Uh, we're getting to the bad, sorry, James. So we'll we'll throw it straight to you. <laughs> Andy Dalton nearly does it one more time. <laughs> he was when he came in. I turned to a, a there was a Bears fan next to me, and the Bears, uh, the Bears fan was like just behind me actually. Uh, I was talking to, him and the Bears fan was like, "Oh, oh no, it's Dalton." And I was like, "No, you're, you're good." <laughs> I am worried. <laughs> Officially, yeah. Uh, yeah, he nearly did it again, didn't he? He was um, he played really well. They 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 do seem to like him in Chicago, actually. But um, yeah, I was I was proper worried when he came in, and um, the, I put a tweet out after the game. The thing that was that was really bad about it was that we gave 
so there there are a number of teams in the there are about seven there are seven teams in the NFL who have gained less than a thousand yards after the catch. The Ravens being one of them. Most teams are on around nine hundred. Like nine, like I think just the like high eight hundreds is the wor- is the second worst team. The worst team is the Bears. They have five hundred and fifty. They are that much worse wow. than the nearest team in terms of getting yards after the catch. And we allowed like what was it about sixty yards after the catch to Mooney. So it was that was just disastrous, really. Uh, yeah, and and he nearly did, he nearly did did for us. I was very. Like we 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 had Fields' number in terms of Fields is really good. Um, he's a cerebral quarterback, and he does read that he has started to read coverages really well. But one of the things he hasn't seen is the kind of pressure packages that that wing through at him, and he couldn't really get his his line organised very well. I don't think there, there was a definite shift on Shane was doing the Twitter, so I I was free just just to watch it, and you could tell those fans that were sort of that come on board in the Lamar era. Because Fields went out of the game, and they were like, "Oh, backup quarterbacks coming in, great, we'll we'll be okay here." And then there was the older fans who had seen it all before with Dalton. And oh no, not Andy Dalton, <laughs> not again. <laughs> yeah, James, I mentioned earlier, I had a little meltdown in the group to myself when Andy Dalton came in, saying, fourth down, what could?" The other bit bad we've got is that, yeah, it's it didn't look great, but I'm sort of keen to speak with you james about your game day experience more than anything else how how was the the game at soldier field how was your day yeah it was good i um i i walked um, i was staying in chicago sort of in the sort of down, downtown area on the west loop which is kind of the 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 river in chicago sort of snakes through downtown so i was over the other side of the river from from grant park um there's a big park on the on the on lake michigan chicago is right on lake michigan so i walked down through downtown down to the lake and then walked along the lake to soldier field because soldier field is a little bit sort of out of town but only about 45 minute hour walk um so i just walked it took it all in and walked in in amongst the fans it was great um they're 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 an interesting fan base they uh they got they got on naggy very hard um there was there were guys getting on fields as well um you know guys my seats were were pretty close to the 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 bears sideline and it was like he was walking back facing the crowd and there were three or four guys getting on him He, he could hear the uh, the stuff they were throwing at him so it was an interesting crowd but they were they're good people in chicago so there wasn't really any hostility towards me or anything it was more towards their own team uh, but it's a, it's a great stadium as well the the stadium sort of you can look out and it overlooks the it overlooks the city uh, in the background and that's that's really not, like if you come out onto the concourse that's really nice um, and it's an old i think it's an old stadium that they just continually refurbed over and over again and for that it looks it looks amazing inside and I, I forgot that I got really great seats. So I was, I was, <laughs> I've like paid for not that great seats in the other four games I'm going to while I'm out here. Um, but for that game, I was like, I'm just going to pay a bit extra and sit in a good seat. And I was about about four yards, about four rows from um, from Tony Romo and Jim Nance as well, which was fun. Did Did you have to listen to his pronunciation of the Devin Duvane? Or- <laughs> <laughs> I heard it afterwards. Wow. I was like, "Wait, did Shane do the broadcast?" <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just relieved to come across somebody who struggles with his name more than I did. It's, just like, yeah, it's not just me. What was the split like in the stadium, James? What was the split, split like? 
Yeah. So I was on the Bears sideline, so there weren't that many Ravens fans around me. But on the other sideline, on the Ravens sideline, I could see a lot of purple. It was still very, very Bears dominated. They're a well-supported team, so you're not going to get tons of tons of tons of seats there. But there were that we were pretty well supported there, so it was pretty good. There was a little bit of noise when they were when they were on offense, just a little bit. We, we were talking about Tucker just before you you joined and the sort of the conditions, the field conditions. But it, it was windy there, wasn't it? They were they were talking about going one way in particular that the field goals would be a problem. Yeah, it's ironic. Apparently, so the Chicago is called the Windy City, but it's actually not called the Windy City because it's windy. It is incredibly windy, but it's not called the Windy City because it's windy. Apparently, it's um, from the sort of uh, Depression era politicians who were all corrupt, and they got they refer to them as windy in terms of like their corruption i've never heard someone corrupt called windy before but that's that's what it was uh, so it's not actually but it is incredibly windy because the stadium is right on the lake and it was windy that day um and it yeah it it's not a great it doesn't look like a great field to kick on but tucker was just i mean there was a guy behind me who was there was a couple of I was a couple of Ravens fans, a couple of rows behind me. There was a guy giving it large, like he's automatic. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, like before he'd kicked it, I was like, all right, don't, don't jinx it, man. Like, um, but yeah, he is. He's just phenomenal, isn't he? He's just, yeah. Any conditions, any, any scenario that we needed those kicks. There was no way we we're going to win that game without, without him making those kicks because the offense was pretty anemic until, until the bears just decided to, to um to play really fallow defense and just let them let them march down the field at the end of the game how loud were the fire nagy chants in the stadium uh, it was it was bad like it was the entire wow. stadium by the end by the end it was just yeah did did you see on twitter his i think the day after his son was playing a high school game and uh <laughs> and, and he went and all, all the sort of High schoolers were, were chanting fire Nagy as well at this high school game. It's it just brutal. The Poor the, kid. the thing for me with the fans and and the way they sort of got on. One of the things. So the fourth down call was really interesting. The the uh, which was you know I was I think it was in the third or fourth quarter and there was there was uh, the fourth they had they got to fourth down they were at midfield it was in the fourth quarter they were at fourth down it was on it was at midfield and. He decided not. He was going. They, he pulled the offense off the field. Dalton went down, sat down, took his helmet off, and he Nagy got horrifically booed for that decision. And I was thinking, why are you like our offense can't really move the ball. P- punting is a good decision here. Put us inside the five or inside the ten and make us go the full length of the field. And then he changed his mind. He changed his mind because the crowd got on his back. And you always run the risk trying to trying to do a fourth down conversion against the Ravens that you're not going to get it. And it was it just gave the defense an opportunity to make a play to potentially win the game. And I know nothing came of it originally, but I think it went back again. And that was when we got the field goal uh, to take the lead. So I, I'm not so sure that I, it seems like it's pretty difficult to be successful in Chicago because of the expectations there. But they've been waiting a long time. I don't want to judge them for it. They're a good bunch of fans anyway. So We did touch on that. Have you seen the TV copy, James? He, he made out like his headset wasn't working. 
Oh, did he? Oh, wait till you watch the TV the coverage mm-hmm. back. Yeah, there's a whole thing where he makes out like his headset's not working, shouts at a guy, and that's where how the play ended up getting uh, changed. He gave one poor, poor sound guy a real dressing down, didn't he? And this, this guy yeah. looks like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that that sound guy would then have walked off and going, this is working just fine. What's it all about? <laughs> don't understand. I mean, we, we aren't a Bears podcast, but I have seen on Twitter that they're expecting um, Thanksgiving to be his last game. Well, um, he said in his press conference early today that it won't be. I was like, that can only mean you're not going to make it to Thursday, Matt, because I don't yeah. think there's an alternative. <laughs> so next on the script, James, you've just joined us at a, a good time. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen on Twitter and through to be honest, all the social platforms and news platforms, Don Win- Martindale is getting a lot of heat over the last couple of days. Um, obviously, there's the zero blitz on fourth and 11 which led, led to the touchdown so james i'll just come to you first where are we as a as a podcast on where we think wink is are we, are we still pro wink are we not so sure wink or we get wink out and let's get some fresh blood in no I, i'm still pro wink i think he took a gamble it didn't pay off there were other times he took that gamble and it did pay off i i i like you, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And I, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate the call in that situation. Uh, um, I think that they, you've got a situation where Alan Robinson's not on the field. I don't think Darnell Mooney is a particularly skilled receiver. Uh, he's a, he's, he's getting better. Like he, he is, um, his separation quickness is better. He's, he's getting open on other routes, but he's still, a, he's still a deep guy. And I just felt execute the execution was off. I'm not really sure why Westry was biting on a double move. I, like it just it, it didn't it didn't seem to make sense to me. So I, I'm not I'm not a kind of I'm not a knee jerk reaction guy anyway. Um, I remember that Wink's done a done a lot of good for this for this defense. I do think he gets a lot less stick than Roman does for some reason, and I don't I don't think they're that far apart in terms of competency. I think, but I think Wink is I think Wink's a Wink's a great defensive coordinator and over the years has worked with uh, less than what he's got now to, to pull out pull out great defenses. And I think the other thing is our defenses get better as the year goes on because they start to learn Wink's scheme more and more and more. And we've had so many interchangeable parts that there are some guys that were playing their first like first real defensive snaps on Sunday. So I think things things will continue to get better under him and I'm not I'm not worried about it. But open to other opinions obviously i'm with james i i didn't i didn't hate the call the the bears were three for 12 against the blitz in this game so it's not as if fields and dalton were, were carving it up um we've talked about execution before james said it westry bites on the double move completely stevens i think it is is, is late he just needs to shoot shoot the gap and, and get through there and go but giving up the touchdown in that that situation was probably the second best thing that could have happened on on that play. If the Ravens give up a first down there, the, the game's over. The Bears milk the clock, they kick a field goal, and and, and the game's over. Um, I did look at the the win percentage after the touchdown, and and the Bears were ninety ninety point eight percent was their win percentage after that touchdown. But it but it does beg the question that the the guy that caught it, Goodwin, was it? I mean. He had the yeah, option. He, he he could have gone down at the five yard line. He didn't need to run that in. He could have gone down at the five yard line, taken all the time off the clock, kicked the field goal. The Ravens would never have got the ball back. So, I don't hate the call there. Your, your first your first priority is to stop them getting the eleven yards for the first down. After that, 
you know, you've got to get the ball back and, and give yourself a chance. So a minute 33, two timeouts, the, the touchdown is not the end of the world there. So I, I didn't hate the call. And the other thing that's been pointed out about that is um, if it weren't for, if it hadn't gone for a touchdown, if that had been incomplete or Westry had knocked the ball away, it would have been a first down for the Bears anyway because of the roughing the passer. So they would have actually got the first down and it's hard to say if they would have ended the game from there because they certainly could have taken the rest of the time off the clock, but they would have had to kick a decent length field goal, which we'd already seen they, they struggled with. So it might not have been a certainty. Um, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, I think it's fair to say to with, with Wink's love of the, the, the zero blitz and leaving guys one-on-one at the back who... You can't necessarily trust to play one-on-one well. Westry was picked on all day and gave up a lot of big passes. I don't think, I mean, I think he actually maybe broke up one pass, but he didn't do very much well that I saw. Um, And so I do think if you've got somebody there who might get beaten, then you may want to be a bit more a bit more conservative in your play calling. But in that situation, Harbour in his press conference today, I think, put that perspective on it where he said sometimes it's better to die a quick death, which is to say that you give up the touchdown, at least you've got a chance to get the ball back and do something with it. So I think Wink had probably factored that in. Worst case, we give up the points, but I give the offense the ball back with time. Um, Actually, the, the worst thing for the worst outcome for the drive would be to, to slowly bleed the clock away and then give up the points. So I don't have a problem with him on, on his play calling on that that particular play. I do think there are times when he might be a bit more conservative given who he's working with. But yeah, I'm not anti-Wink either, to be honest. Well, it doesn't make for a very entertaining podcast, but I think we're all in, agree- <laughs> we're all in agreement. Because I'm exactly the same. I think... He's playing. He's playing like he's still got Marcus Peters in in the backfield, and he hasn't. But next year he will have again, and Chuck Clark and Elliot, and all of a sudden this it, this all makes sense again, and everything that Wink tries to do, he needs the personnel to do. And you are you guys are right in what you're saying. Is the risks are there because he's not playing with the the A team. I think had he got the A team there would be. a and that's the thing. I think it would have been Deshaun Elliott probably running in on that blitz. And I think Brandon Stevens. I think his hesitation is that he's looking either, well, I think he was looking at the running back and saying, if the running back breaks out, I've got to take him man to man. And we mentioned this maybe last week. This is the, when the Raven, when any team tries to overload you with the blitz, you keep in one of your guys to block. The natural response from the defense is whoever is the man on that player should then add to the blitz and then negate their advantage. So Stevens has got to do that. That's the logic, but he's got to make the decision faster. I think Deshaun Elliott makes that decision faster because that then forces the running back's hand. The running back has then got to stay in and block because otherwise his quarterback's going to be scraped off the turf. So it's it, it's just, you know, it's a young player who's hesitating, not quite sure what he should be doing. And it's like we were saying about the Dolphins game. A lot of it comes down to execution. It's not really the play calls. I've just, just pulled up a tweet that I found earlier. So the Ravens' defence is is overall the 25th ranked defence at, at the minute in terms of y- yards per game. They've given up 11 plays of 40-plus yards, which is tied for the most in the league with, with Kansas. But two two interesting facts for you. They're, they're actually the number one third-down defence, so the, the hardest defence to convert a third-down against, and they're also the number one red-zone defence. So 
if some miracle happens and they can clean up these breakdowns and, and giving up these big plays, this is a, a pretty good defence still hiding somewhere in here. And if they can get it figured out, this is the time of the season to, to do it. Yeah, I think that's definitely what's happening. It's that they are playing at a very high level most of the time, but when they have a breakdown, it goes for a long touchdown. It's like me playing the computer at Madden. That's exactly how it how it pans out. <laughs> it's still a very efficient run defense as well as the other thing. It's a very efficient run defense. And I, like the yes, the pass defense has been gashed at times and that's why it's why it's what it where it is. But they they still stop the run well and that bodes well for this week, hopefully. And just to segue into the news, we've got a, a few reserves coming. We've got Malik Harris coming back into the lineup. Does that help us at all, James? Malik Harris spent a little bit of time out due to a um, rogue bullet. Um, the, one of the oddest injuries, <laughs> <laughs> oddest injuries we've ever discussed. But does him coming back from his bullet wound help? It's Malik Harrison, unless the, unless the bullet struck Oops. the end of his surname. Oh dear! Is that me doing the whole? If it's on the script, I will read it thing again. Sorry, Malik Harrison. <laughs> Go f- yourself, guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, leaks a leaks a good uh, piece to have come back. He's a guy that they will use spare. They will use sparingly. You know, it's not. It's no longer. It's going to be the same deal as Queen. They will probably no longer use him and Queen in the same lineup together. Um, in those scenarios, though, they can what's what he's useful at, what he's very useful at, and he was looking um, like he could deal with a fuller workload better than Queen actually before he went out. But what Queen, what Leak is uh, Harrison is really useful at is um, is being that bigger body to defend the run. You know, he will he will take on and blow up lead blockers in the hole. He's a he's a guy who will just add a different dimension to the run defense. He just gives Wink a bit more flexibility at the linebacker position. We've also had Trace McSorley signed from the practice squad by the Arizona Cardinals, Ian. With Tyler Huntley's performance, Trace McSorley was probably just going to be a practice squad guy anyway, and it's nice to see him get an opportunity somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it's nice. We'll, we'll always have that, that Pittsburgh game where he, he threw the touchdown pass, and I think he came in against the Browns, didn't he, as well, and, and, and did his knee. Um Good luck to the guy. I hope I hope he goes. On. He, I'm not sure he's going to any any better of a situation though. Is he still stuck behind a a, a good starting quarterback and a, and a pretty decent backup as well? So um, I'm not sure he's going to see much more playing time there. It, it it leaves the Ravens a little bit thin. I think that they're, they're probably going to have to pick someone up for the for the practice squad. Um, obviously Hunt, Huntley's a good backup. But Lamar, with his with his illness at the minute, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to go into a game with, I don't know, Sam Cook as your as your backup. Um, so I, I expect a practice squad signing. They had a Kenji Baha, was it over the Bahia, yeah, I in think. the sort of preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone someone like him is signed to, to the practice squad. I don't know what he's what he's doing now. Well, don't knock Sam Cook. He's got a pretty good career passer rating as as it goes. <laughs> Has he thrown an incomplete pass? Not yet. No, so you know that's that's pretty good going, but I think um, yeah, that's the big worry is we still don't know what the situation is with Lamar. It's you've got to assume the team's pretty confident he'll be back for Sunday, but it's uncertain. So at the moment, we do have just one healthy quarterback. Got to be careful putting Sam Cook back there. He might accidentally take a safety. <laughs> he loves that. I was I was trying to think who else on the team has has thrown a pass because it, it's very unRavens like to see sort of the trick plays. I, I'm sure I've seen Sammy Watkins 
throw a few passes for for previous teams, but I'm not I'm not sure of any other Ravens in in the sort of near That's near pass that, that have thrown that have thrown any passes. Des Bryant was one, but he never did it with the Ravens, did he? He used to mm, throw yeah. throw a few with the Cowboys, but yeah, I've not. Don't know if, if Bateman's got it in him. I, I'm not sure I'd want to see Marquise Brown fire too many down the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, in an otherwise slow news week, the last piece in the news we've got to talk about is James. You've got a blackout game on Sunday night. You're going to see the Ravens in the All Blacks. So Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I am doing. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I I think it's great to go and see. A few years ago, I was supposed to go and see uh, the see the Ravens play the Seahawks at M&T Bank Stadium in a Sunday night game. And it was close to the end of the year. It was like week 13. I was like, this is going to be great. Like we were a contender at the time, or at least we were the season before. And it was the year that Flacco went down with his injury. So it got flexed out of the Sunday night slot and Ryan Mallett started. Uh, and we got blown wow. out. So I'm pretty excited to see a proper Sunday night game against the Browns in Baltimore. Apparently it should be rocking. Uh, I know obviously Ben's going to be there as well with, with the UK Ravens group. Uh, I'm going with uh, Michael Crawford at Abukari on, on Twitter, which is really cool. I'm also going to be, oh, I might not be able to, maybe I can say this. <laughs> um, it's fine because it's a UK audience. So I think uh, I'm going to be with Adam Bonacorsi and Mike as well at uh, Lee's Pint and Shell, which is a, a pub in Canton uh, for a, like a pregame show, which will be really cool. So hopefully I'll get to, to meet some fans and like talk to some people, which would be really good. And before then, I, I'm so I'm in New York at the moment, and then I'm going to New Orleans. I, uh, sorry, while I've been in New York, I've seen um, Dev Panchois um, on. Um, also, you may know him from Twitter and Russell Street Report because um, he lives here. Uh, so I've seen met him for drinks last night, which is great. And then I'm going to New Orleans to go and see, and you have to say it like that, apparently. <laughs> to see the Saints Bills game and uh, LSU, uh, Texas A and M at LSU as well in Baton Rouge. So I've got a few few games lined up before then. So it's going to be great. You can follow along with me on Twitter. I'm I'm posting. I'm not very good at photography, but I'm posting some pictures. <laughs> For the audio listener, you should know that James is absolutely flexing with like the New York skyline behind him. He's like he's positioned his laptop so he's like looking over the windows over his left shoulder. We can just see the New York skyline to the side. It's very I'm picturesque, a, James. I'm in a bit of a yeah. I'm I'm not flexing. I'm in a bit of a box room. He, he's flexing. This was the only place yeah. I could put it. <laughs> you can see my bed if you want, but I thought you'd prefer to have the skyline in the background. Is it an actual window? Is it just a photo you've put there? He's still, like, <laughs> still, he's still at home. Still at home, yeah. Hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> it was more impressive in Chicago, actually. So, uh, so you've got like, yeah, it's it's midtown in New York. You can see. Wow. This, this is great for a podcast, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, this is going to be really great for the audio listener. Okay, James, we're going to let you get out of here. Have you got a prediction or a matchup before you go? We didn't. Oh. We haven't asked you, so this is a genuine ask. Have you got a prediction or a matchup? Good point. Um, I think <laughs> uh, you put me on the spot because I'm not even prepared. So if we go with prediction, I I think I think the Browns are going to win this game. Uh, so, I, but the only reason I'm really saying that is because I I get all my predictions wrong. So hopefully <laughs> this this is good omen. But I do think the Browns are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it. Uh, 
I think if you want a matchup for this game, I think the the thing to watch in this game, sort of good on good, and it's not really the, the I mean, people, it's not sort of off the ball. So this is kind of a bit bit of a cheat. But I think you should watch. So the Ravens' defense is predicated to stop the wide zone run offense, and they've stopped it pretty well against some good proponents of it. They stopped it stopped it against um, Denver. They stopped it against. Um, uh, pretty well against Minnesota. So they've been pretty good at stopping the, the wide zone this year. This is the the best wide zone rushing attack in the league. And what it does is it marries beautiful play design from Kevin, Stef- Kevin Stefanski with great play calling and the best back to do it in the league in Nick Chubb. He, he has special vision. So I think the matchup to watch is Nick Chubb against this Ravens rush defense, because it will be really interesting to see if he's able to find the kind of gaps. One stat for you, the uh, football outsiders ranks the efficiency of uh, running teams based on the gap in which they hit in the run game. So it ranks all five gaps basically across the right end, right tackle, guard center, left, tackle left end and no team the no team is able to be great across the whole line apart from the browns they are top 10 in efficiency at attacking every gap on the on the defensive line they are that good as a rushing attack so it should be a really good matchup to watch uh chubb try and try and take down this ravens run defense which if, if you remember was still pretty good even with missing pieces against the vikings outside of maybe one or two big dalvin cook runs so really good matchup for that this week although it's not a player on player can we all just take a second to appreciate james even either a is we've got another oscar winning performance where he says oh sorry guys i've never prepped anything and he's got an a4 piece of paper in front of me <laughs> oh completely off the cuff backed up with statistics with rankings that is uh, that is genuinely so impressive james i really am e- either way whether with the acting or the just general knowledge i'm i'm impressed either way no notes no notes it was all from memory Okay, so we'll do this podcast in a little bit of a backwards way. We've done the review, we've done the news, we've had James's prediction. So we'll jump over to the interview with Believe Land Brit, or Josh as he's more commonly known. And then we'll jump back in with predictions from myself, Ian and Shane. Okay, let's do that. Before we get to Josh, we've had a last-minute addition to the show, a very special guest indeed, once again from across the pond. Welcome to the show from the UK Ravens podcast, Ben Mortimer. How are you doing, Ben? Hey, y'all. How's it going? (laughs) So tell us, Ben, why the Ravens? Oh, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, tell us, how's your your week been? What have you been up to? It's been tremendous. I mean, it's been a really... um uh, refreshing uh, blast from the past to go back to America and uh, and see some games over here again. So after a well a, a trying experience with British Airways getting over here, as far as um, showing the right documents and then having delays both outbound and then a medical emergency on the plane on the way to Orlando, which luckily one of our tour goers is a doctor and he's Dutch. I mean, the Dutch doesn't really come into it, but <laughs> it's a nice touch. And, uh, and and he kind of saved the day with calming her down. She was fine. Um, and then our conveyor belt broke on the luggage. So we were 
three and a half hours late to the bar that I booked for our happy hour, but they were still open. And from there, it was all plain sailing. So um, we went to see a UCF game. We went to see a Jags game, which was awful, but the weather was nice. And then we went to the Bucks game last night, which was um, a really good experience. The the tailgate was excellent, and uh, the first half was uh, was good, and then the Giants just folded badly. But it was still nice, and, and now we're in Tallahassee. So uh, it's it's sunny and it's warm, and uh, it's been a nice few days your backdrop isn't as nice as what James had. We had the New York skyline behind James. We've what have we got? What have you got behind you? It's um, very, very sunny. Wow. Quite, Sorry, quite we don't, we're not doing a very good audio <laughs> podcast. This way, <laughs> no, it's, we're it's, just looking out of people's windows. This is it's not good. It's, 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 <laughs> The gal describes windows. Well, let's. I mean, it's quite a dirty screen, um, but there's our bus outside the Louisiana, Louisiana Motor Coach, and then yeah, it's just a nondescript street in the middle of Tallahassee. So we'll. See. I'm sure the people will be friendly though, um, but no, it's, it's not much going on here to be honest. What was it like watching the Ravens game on a phone in the stadium in Jacksonville? Well, Jacksonville actually had uh, on one of their big, not the big big board, but one of their <laughs> corner scoreboards. They had red zone, so I was just watching that during the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was quite a small screen, so I was trying to make out what was going on. But they did go. Obviously, yeah, Hanson and crew went back to the Ravens when something happened. I showed the replay, and I was following it on um, ESPN on my phone as well. So I was just kind of detached from what was going on around me and kept swearing when I saw that you know Westry had given up a huge. Well, not just Westry, but we'd given up a huge. Um, uh, touchdown to them, and uh, when Andy Dalton came, it says Andy Dalton in at QB, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> five, five minutes later, my my fears were realised. So yeah, I was I spent the entire basically the majority of the second half cursing what was happening, um, which wasn't very professional in front of um, you know kind of the people I was looking after, and then um, at the last minute being very happy and, uh, and not quite believing what I could see as far as you know. I said, "Well, we've got a minute and forty to go here." Um, and one time out, I think it was, on, as, as ESPN was showing. I've still not seen the highlights of the game, um, but I didn't think there was much of a chance. And then suddenly it was like, you know, we'd made up a massive chunk of play with it seems to be a Sammy Watkins uh, reception. And uh, and we, we went, and once we got to the three with 30 seconds to go, or whatever it was, I was like, we're, we're in here. And uh, so it was, it was a great, uh, yeah. It, it, I avoided the heart attack that most of you probably have gone through, but um, it was, it was nice to see the win. And now I'm really excited because I've just seen today that we're in all black on Sunday for the uh, game that I'm going to. So I'm just pumped for that. What, what does the rest of your week look like then, Ben, leading up to that that Ravens game? Uh, I'll be going to New Orleans tomorrow, which is quite a long drive, and we get there hopefully around tea time so that we can quickly change and then go to a Pelicans game. Um, and then Thursday we've got um, some sort of Thanksgiving, not really a dinner, it's a, it's a seafood restaurant, that the only place that had availability. Uh, and then we're off to the Saints game in the evening, the uh, Saints-Bills, which I hope will be a better game than the two we've seen so far as far as NFL close contest uh, those contests go and um and then it'll be friday seeing them off on their coach i will get on the southwest flight and go to bwi and meet uh i think 18 um british uh and uh i'm trying to think i don't um slag any there might be an irish dutch i can't remember but (laughs) no dutch no um but um welsh there's definitely welsh there's welsh everywhere at the moment on both tours so um we'll be meeting them and, and doing um Bertha's Muscles on Saturday, so I can't wait for that. Just confirm that reservation. And um, an easy day Sunday leading up to um, Jimmy's Seafood. Our friend John at Jimmy's has kindly upgraded all of us to the VIP 
So I'll try nice. and um, you know have a chat with some some people backstage and uh, and then hopefully see a Ravens win, which I'm now feeling absolutely definitive about that it's going to be a victory now. Nice, sounds good. Well, let's let's hear your score prediction then. Why you here? Um, Forty-one-seven Ravens. Wow. <laughs> 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 I just think <laughs> I think we're going to blow them. I'm feeling good about them, but for some reason, even though we've got you know 27 players out there, but uh, it's uh, Lamar. I mean, you guys have been c- keeping an eye on the news this week. I've literally seen nothing. So, and I just saw a picture of Lamar curled up on a plane. Um, it, it, we think he'll be okay for, for Sunday, right? Well, we're assuming he must be, but we, nothing has been confirmed yet. But we're thinking if they figured friday into saturday he was going to be good to play on sunday then surely he's going to be fine with another week but but yeah still they're still being cagey about it on the ravens website there's a news item from today saying lamar jackson is feeling better well that's good so nice to know isn't it and marquis nothing (laughs) i'm sure he is Uh, he couldn't play without his friend hopeful hopeful on marquis brown and you're in all black, and it's going to be a night game. So you're going to have a lovely time, aren't you? Yeah, I hope so. Cool. Well, we'll let you get back to your trip. We don't want to get too jealous watching you um, jaunt <laughs> around the south of America. So go back, enjoy yourself, and will we see you next Tuesday? I can't say that, can I? Will you be, will you be on the podcast next week? I hope so. Yeah, um, it's. I should be able to make it uh, about this time next week. It, it's uh, the day we leave, and... We don't leave till the evening, so uh, oh. yeah, let's 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 figure it out, and I'll be here if I can. Cool, right? Well, we'll catch cool. up with Ben again next week. Then have fun, Ben. Have a good time. Cheers, Cheers guys. Bye. See you, Ben. <laughs> to preview the upcoming Sunday night football game against the Browns, we are now joined by UK Browns fan Josh, or as he's known on Twitter, Believeland Brit. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks very much, Gaz. Hi, guys. Hope you're keeping well. Yes, all really good. I, only about five minutes before you came on, I realised Believeland rhymes with Cleveland, and then all of a sudden, everything started to make <laughs> sense to me. So let's jump straight into it. Why the Browns? So I'm an Aston Villa fan, first and foremost. So when Randy Lerner bought the club back in, oh God, I can't even remember how long ago that was now, 2004, 2005, something like that. Um, obviously he had the Browns at the same time and that's kind of where I first started to experience American football. It made sense to follow the Browns at the same time. Uh, Villa actually brought out a really nice, uh, double-sided scarf at the time, which was claret and blue on one side and, uh, brown and orange on the other. So even without watching a game, I was like, yeah, I can get behind that. And it just ended up flourishing from there. The fact that they're just a massive underdog story with a, with a city much like the city of Birmingham in terms of its underdog nature, but rich history as well just seemed to uh, really resonate with me as well so uh yeah for my sins browns fan and uh yeah just went on from there really josh when when did you join the dog pound i'm just looking at your personal twitter handle and i've deciphered that you are born in 92 which might make you the youngest person on the show and the only person that's ever been on the show younger than me so i'd be interested <laughs> to see when you when did you join the, did you join the dog pound then in in the dark days yeah, so um, it was when Charlie Fry was quarterback. So I can I only ever really go by quarterbacks because in Browns fandom you can do that. And <laughs> people will actually know what year on it you're on about. 
uh, I want to say that's 2005 um, that that came about. But yeah, I didn't witness a winning season until last year. Wow. Yeah. All fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dedication. Yeah, I mean, it's been a slow burn, you know, the first five or six years, because the NFL wasn't really that well known over here back in the early noughties. You know, you the London games obviously helped in terms of getting people to actually watch the games more. But realistically, all that you were really doing, if you weren't really into it and watching like the Channel 5 stuff and all the rest of it, was you know keeping a tab on the scores maybe watching some illegal streams that are out there and um just the highlights at nfl.com had weeks later so it was easy to avoid like the first five years of hurt and just know that they were a bad team whereas um obviously for the last decade or so it's uh obviously been a lot more in view <laughs> And so how has this season been? Because it's been, it seems like for the, certainly the whole of the AFC, it's been weirdly up and down, uh, all kinds of bizarre results from one week to the next. Has that been the same thing for the Browns? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's inescapable as divisional rivals. I mean, you know the story as much as, as I would, that it's been tumultuous to say the least, and in fact torturous. Um, because you know, as Browns when we were we were practically christened as a as a long you know a long running playoff team on paper, we've heard that before. But this actually seemed to be proof in the pudding after beating the Steelers last year. Should have beaten the Chiefs in the divisional game last year. Let's not get onto that. Um, and you know, building a defense that could have actually have elevated that team, but. You know, injuries, I mean, you guys know more than anybody else that injuries have had a massive impact this year. You guys had it in the off-season. We had it at the start of the season. Um, just the just, just the odd nature of the games. I mean, can you really be a favourite in a game in the NFL at the moment? It's, it's quite mad, really. Um, great for a neutral, fantastic for a neutral, but if it's your team, then uh, you're not really getting much from it. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, from a Browns perspective, I'm just I'm just happy to still be in the playoff conversation at the moment. I think if you can say week to week that you're in the playoff conversation, you know you're in the division conversation, um, pretty much until that's over, it's all good. But that's also a positive about being a Browns fan. We don't actually expect a lot, you know. <laughs> but Browns Twitter's going mental at the moment over you know the fact that the expectations aren't being met and all the rest of it. But I'm one of these people that are like it was. I cried over a first win in two years, only a few years back, and we're above 500. I'm good with that. It must be nice to be in the playoff race, not the race for the first overall pick, Roger. Oh, yes. Um, that, that was a huge change. You know, going into that Pittsburgh Steelers game last year, uh, the wild card round, I, I mean, that's the most excited I've ever been for a for a playoff uh, game in general. And I, I love the playoffs, even though the Browns are never in it. Um, so, you know, it was just enjoyable to to be part of that buzz. And then you didn't really get to enjoy it because of the whole COVID outbreak, you know, with Kevin Stefanski being away and a couple of others being away. And then you're just thinking, oh, it's not going to happen. And then the game happened. It's like, whoa, okay. I, I had no idea how to feel. I, you know, <laughs> just not used to it. Just 
completely at odds with anything else of which I've experienced as an NFL fan. So looking looking ahead to this weekend's game, as Ravens fans, who should we be scared of on the Browns? Who's who's going to hurt us? Uh, well, um, obviously Nick Chubb. Um, you know, I think that this could have been an argument that maybe he would have been relatively nullified by his by by COVID. You know, the fact that he's coming back from COVID. You know, it definitely affected Miles Garrett for the latter half of last season, for example, where he lost his edge. He, Nick Chubb does not seem to have missed the beat. He seems to be the exact same guy he was beforehand. So I feel like he's still going to get a good triple digit game, especially with a weakened Baker. Because say what you want about his passing game anyway, if he's having to rely on his running backs more, he'll happily do it. Uh, Kareem Hunt's back. Um, apparently, he, he's expected to be back as well, which will only help Chubb in terms of just limit his rushes so he can be more explosive. Um, apart from that, there are a few pe- people on defense of which I think that um, particularly Lamar should be afraid of, one being Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa. Um, some of the draft coverage of which I did for... Um, for a show called Full 10 Yards, um, the mock draft of which I did had him. And I, in my notes, I just put, he's the guy to beat Lamar Jackson. Like, I just wanted him for Lamar Jackson because he's, his speed is insane. He'll make Lamar go laterally, you know, which is the key, I feel. In term, you know, it's what the Colts did to him. It's what a few other teams have tried tried doing to him. Um, but you know, he, he's got the speed to do it, but he's also got the speed to notice the RPO option change up and then go and get Andrews as well. You know, so, you know, those are for me, the two scariest options when it comes to the Ravens offense, either falling for the RPO or going too far into it. And then Andrews is on his own, you know, Arusu Koromo is the guy for that. And then obviously Denzel Ward, he's had a great, he's been one of the few sparks on this um, on this Browns defense so far this year just because he's been able to break up plays really well I think he sizes up well to a few of your receivers I mean there's Miles Garrett but I feel like I don't even need to mention him <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you guys know him already so uh, I yeah. won't even bother there but uh, no those would definitely be my picks so it's an odd thing when we ask our guests that question because we then all sit here thinking Oh no, we're definitely going to lose this game. So what what, what we need is we need a, a little bit of um, support from you now and help us here. Who on the Ravens are you concerned about? What's making you go into this game a little bit concerned? Um, the luck of the dice. Um, <laughs> now, um, first things first, your coaching staff. Um, sim- at the moment, I think that the Browns have been out coached on almost every single game, and. Even when the Ravens haven't brought about their best performances, of which I think that you guys would all agree you've not seen much of this year, you've still been able to pull it out of the bag. That comes from fantastic coaching, that comes from having great belief in amongst your team and just great execution where it counts. That, to me, is actually the most worrying part because I... I've just spoken on about this in another podcast where I can imagine this game being back and forth, both offenses going flying, and then at some point you'll just go, hold on one second, 
pump the brakes on defense and then just take it and take the game away because that's what the Ravens can do. Um, you know, I have full confidence that that will happen on Sunday because I am a pessimist. I'm a Browns fan. I am a pessimist. <laughs> I, I believe that nothing is ever given to us, especially not for free. Um, so yeah, that is number one. Lamar Jackson's obviously number two if he does play. Um, simply because you know he is a fantastic athlete. I'm one of the more outspoken on him. Um, simply because I feel like. The intangibles of a quarterback are sometimes not met by him, but his athleticism is next level. You know, he makes up for it by being just a freak athlete, to use such a term. And then, you know, he's he's rapport with Mark Andrews. I I love Mark Andrews. I think that he's uh, one of the best tight ends going. And I can't I can't think of too many other quarterback tight end relationships that work quite that well you know i actually think that it works better than kittle than Ertz, than kelsey just because he's so reliable like he's way too reliable and literally every ravens game i'm like him mark him for god's sake his name's mark for god's sake and yet and yet they don't seem to do it. I think the Colts were the first team to actually effectively mark him out the game for once. I'm like, yes, finally someone's listening. Mark, Mark Andrews. But um, yeah, put it this way, you've got more than enough firepower. So before we ask for a, a score prediction from you then, we have to try and dig into what on earth is going on with Baker Mayfield because we've sort of, we kind of see this from afar, but obviously, um, you know, we're following our team kind of day to day. So we just sort of see stuff from other teams pop up in the social media feed or, or whatever. He seems to be having a bit of a challenging season and either he's turned on the fans or the fans have turned on him or everybody's fighting with everybody else what's going on with baker right so before going into what's going on with baker let's take one step back and talk about what's going on with browns in general so like i said about five minutes ago you've got a team that on paper should be setting the league alight then your star wide receiver who has been talking non-stop about wanting to be in the city, wanting to take the team to the Super Bowl, feeling like he knows his place, feeling like he's got the guy, starts just plain not being where he's supposed to be. Baker's also had his part to play in that as well, in that he's missed him at times where he has been open. At other times, though, Odell's just not been where he was supposed to be. He's dropping balls in key situations. I think that the trust got lost there, and that sort of started to unravel at a much larger rate. The team entire, I'm not saying it's all down to Odell, but I'm just saying it's indicative of what's happened at every level, where we seem to shoot ourselves in the foot at almost every single turn. Um, so with that, the injuries started piling up early. As soon as we started getting any kind of injuries, it's like the game plan relies on us all being healthy all the time, which you can't do in the NFL. As soon as we lost that Arizona game, it seemed like the Browns were were lost, really. Um, and then you come on to Baker. So you've got a guy who seems to, tr- you know, he's, his core focus seems to be just win at any cost for this club. He seems to love the Cleveland Browns. He seems to have really worn 
you know, worn the colours on his sleeve and gone out there every week giving everything. I mean, the fact that he, you know, he's pretty much put together by Play-Doh and Scotch tape at this rate. You know, I'm pretty sure that at the end of Sunday, he had absolutely nothing left attached to his torso. And, you know, he's still going out there and still sliding around, still getting in amongst it, still happy to run and scramble and all the rest of it, even though I'm begging him not to with every fibre of my body. Um, But then you have the frustration of the fans. The fans have been dying for a good Browns team for so long, and they see all the issues with Odell. They see the issues on offence. They see the injuries. They see everything else. And they they put it on the quarter because they don't know anything else. Browns fans have, are, are just begging for all this to work. And they've seen it work for everybody else by having that one great guy at quarterback. So once the wheels have started to fall off, they, they've all started to cram in on him. The booing that took place against the Lions, you know, it, it wasn't as many as what the TV made it out to be. I've heard from people over in Cleveland that, you know, the TV definitely made it sound 10 times worse, but you know, it's there. The, the optics are there and, you know, it's undeniable that he's feeling pressure at the moment as to whether or not it's much more than that. I don't know, but I can tell you this and that's that, Baker Mayfield's probably going to ball out next week because that's his process. You doubt him one week and he'll come back firing the next. Whether or not it'll be enough to beat the Ravens, I don't know. And personally, I probably don't think so. But by the same token, he's probably going to end up with like over 300 yards, three touchdowns and probably about 20 or 30 yards with his arm hanging off. Because that's just how he's built. You, you talked but talked earlier about all the quarterbacks that that the Browns have gone through is is Baker the guy should should he get the big contract is is he the guy going forward oh, that's the hundred million dollar question isn't it <laughs> um oh, I've had this conversation about five times this week and it's only Tuesday um have you always answered the same every time are you you're swinging either way no, I, I do kind of have a, a, a general sort of one, which is that I don't think that you offer the big contract. I think that you offer, first of all, I think you tag him this year. You know, I think that you definitely keep him around for one more year and evaluate again, you know, based off the fact that, you know, you're not going to get the top, you're not going to get the answer in an injured year with everything else going on. But I reckon that you get him for low 30s, like 32 and a bit mil, maybe on a front-loaded contract, which allows you to cut him towards the back end if it's just not working out. Um, They've done quite a lot of moves with the cap space to allow themselves to do that anyway. As to whether or not Baker would accept low 30s is a different matter. Um, But I don't see as to where he would go that, would you know, I don't think that teams will be clamoring for him for much more. Um, but I definitely see him as I definitely see him as the guy for at least the next five years, simply because where else are you gonna go? You know, the Browns aren't gonna be in and around the top ten draft pick wise for a few years, I don't think. And if you keep Baker around until that point, it's not gonna happen either, because they're gonna be at least five hundred. So 
you know, you've got all that to play. And, you know, for me, it's what lies behind the, the other door because you're not going to get Deshaun Watson in. You're not going to attract Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Not that I'd want either of them. Um, and, yeah, it's just who else is going to come in there because if you get a mid-first-round quarterback, are you really saying that one of those is better than Baker? Probably not. And probably not having to deal with as much crap as Baker's had to put up with. Would they let him carry on living in the stadium? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe he then starts doing a tour around all the other ones as well, and Progressive just get a bit more more progressive with their ads and uh, start doing a bit of a tour around. But I, I for one, actually enjoy all the adverts. I think that even um, even if he wasn't my quarterback, I think I'd enjoy them just because I think that they're a laugh. Progressive have always come out with great ads. Uh, far better than the State Farm ones, where Aaron Rodgers is just the um, the pompous. Uh, well, he's mysteriously uh, disappeared. Like, over you the don't last see few many weeks. of those <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. Strangely, they're leaning quite heavily on the Patrick Mahomes ones now. Yeah, shocking that, isn't it? <laughs> right, once again, this podcast and this interview has gone off the rails. So before <laughs> it gets completely off the rails, uh, what is your score prediction for Sunday night's game, and maybe some kind of player prop or some? A prediction of what a certain player maybe do oh so i i'm just trying to think of what the score was that i said earlier uh 35 31 ravens is right. my prediction um in terms of player props uh let's say lamar jackson over 100 yards of rushing um Okay. And then, in terms of how I actually see this going down, I'll give you the exact thing that I've just given another podcast, of which is that the Browns are going to go up early. They're going to go about 17 points up in the first quarter or so, and they'll take it into half time about two scores up. Then Baker's going to throw a pick in around the early third quarter. Now, does this start sounding familiar? Does this start, <laughs> it sounds very, very close to a night game that happened a, a fair few months back. And then you'll start to get back into it and you'll think, yeah, the Ravens can do it. The Ravens can do it. And then the Browns will score another touchdown just to sort of put the knife in. And you think, oh, two scores, eight minutes to go. It's not going to happen. And then you get that first one. Now you're only down by three, but you've got to hold the Browns. And then Kevin Stefanski, in all of his conservative nature, decides to run it three times in a halfback dive that only gets about four yards. Then it gets punted by Jamie Gillen for only about 30 yards. So you start on the 50. You've got one minute, 57 seconds, and you do it with absolute ease. And you've actually given us far too much time on the clock, which we won't do anything with. What a very poetic portrayal of <laughs> yeah. how the game's going to go. I, I don't feel As like you I need can to tell, stay up I've now. had many a nightmare. <laughs> I've had many a nightmare about the Baltimore Ravens over the years, and yeah, it's kind of fixed in my mind now. Josh, we have we have a lot of guests from different teams on this podcast, and I was always concerned when we got to the AFC North guests that it maybe get a little bit out of hand, but. Honestly, I just want to give you a cuddle. I just feel like, I just feel like you, you, you need a cuddle. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm only up in Yorkshire if you ever just, just want a cuddle. <laughs> I might take you off on that depending on how Sunday night goes. No, um, I mean, I'm not one of these guys that... Uh, that you know looks for the scrap as it were although then again though sunday night you know anyone wearing purple's dead to me during the game <laughs> but i'm uh, I, i'm not one of these these that are like oh you know just 
constantly at, uh, uh, you know, any anyone that supports any team over here, you know, God. is, you know, worth their weight in gold, I think, especially if they uh, have the sort of commitment that we do. I mean, you guys put out a part. How often? Is this a once a week sort of job or? Yeah, we're, yeah. Like, we're an every week pod, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but look at the setup that you've got, you know, it, the dedication is obviously there. And, you know, I, you, you can see my dedication. I supported a dead team for a decade and a half. Um, so, you know, a- anyone that puts in the kind of legwork that, uh, that that we do to support the teams that we have over here. I mean, you don't see that for Premier League teams or anything like that, really, do you? No, you know, this is, this is definitely a different kind of love. And I have respect for anyone that does it, no matter what team, even if it is the Ravens. But then again, though, I treat you guys as like the sons of the Browns. So it's fine. <laughs> You have to take care of us as we go through old age. <laughs> Are you staying up for the game on Sunday? I am for my sins, and then I've got to induct someone at work the next day, so that's going to be fun. Okay, before we let you go then, where can the UK Ravens fans follow along and send you some tweets on Sunday night slash Monday morning? Yeah, if you feel like terrorising me, then my Cleveland love handle is Believeland Brit. Um, as you rightly said earlier, guys, not only does it rhyme with Cleveland, but also there's an ESPN 40 for 40 on the uh, the Cleveland uh, sports history called Believeland. Oh, so uh, The more you know. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, honestly, I, I'd give it a go if you can find it on a streaming platform. It's... Uh, you know, it definitely tells you all the terrible things about Cleveland, uh, sports-wise, <laughs> and then it uh, gives you a nice, uplifting story about how LeBron finally gave us a goddamn trophy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Cleveland Brit, more than happy to follow and accept Ravens fans, just because I, I live for the uh, for the chirp. I, I don't mind the odd... Uh, the odd sarcastic tweet and the passive aggression every now and then. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will pick it up with you on Twitter on Monday morning. Thank you so much for your time, Josh. We really no appreciate worries, it. No worries, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, not on Sunday night. And there goes Josh, or Believe Land Brit, on Twitter, who I genuinely thought was one of the nicest guys we've ever had on the show. I really enjoyed having that, and I was nervous with it being an AFC north matchup that we wouldn't get on so let's hope the Steelers next week can have a similarly pleasant interview okay let's go into the predictions and I'm sorry guys I'm gonna have to put some music behind this because I don't think you're gonna like where this is going so I will once again go first Sunday night football the Cleveland Browns I've got it as 37 to 13 you could tell by the sad music that that is to the Browns for my player props I've got Nick Chubb to have a 50 plus yard touchdown and a couple of stats for Lamar I've got 5 plus sacks 1 interception and at least 1 fumble that's how I think this game is going to go Wow, what have you done with Gaz? I just, what, I, I, I said this a few weeks back, let me just bring this music out and have a slightly serious chat for a little bit. I said this a few weeks back when um, we had all the injuries to the O-line, I think, I think it was even after week one when the Raiders just absolutely destroyed us. I, I said back then, how are we going to stop Miles Garrett? And given everything that's happened to this team, everything we've seen, everything we've discussed, how we could have been eight and two, we could have easily been two and eight, 
we can't, or we, we're not doing a very good job of tackling in the open field. We've heard Josh come on and talk about how good, and James come on. It's even worse when James comes on and talks sense about how good Nick Chubb is and the Browns' rush game is. I don't understand how we stop Nick Chubb. Ignore Baker Mayfield and he'll do his little bit. We'll be focused on Nick Chubb and Baker will have his little bits. As Josh said, he's going to be annoyed about everything that's in the press. So you're going to expect a big performance for him. It's a Sunday night football game. We've seen the Ravens go to these big games and crumble. I just don't see how we're going to stop Garrett. I think he's going to be all over Jackson. I don't think the O-line's going to have a chance against that this Cleveland defense. And it's going to be one of those games where Lamar's missed a week. He feel like he's going to prove himself. He's holding on. He's trying to run every play out too long. The ball's going to end up being on the floor. Five plus sacks, one interception, one fumble, which will be at least one fumble, which will be recovered by the Browns. And we're just going to have one of these plays where Nick Chubb breaks a huge run because we've seen so many running backs and so many wide receivers do it so far i i hate i hate everything i'm saying and maybe it's my reverse jinx you notice how i didn't mention to josh about the last three scores because that's not been going well for us over the last few weeks i I just can't see how we beat the browns and that's it's i hope you can hear my voice how deeply upset i am to be in this position but I, i just don't see how we do it um ian do you want to try and bring this podcast back (laughs) <laughs> no worries I've, I've got you Op- optimism I've got plenty of it the Ravens are going to win this game they're going to win 27-16 this Browns offense is broken um, Tim Boyle he he's the Detroit Lions quarterback that played them last week Tim Boyle had 77 yards and two interceptions the Browns scored 13 points all of which came in the second quarter did nothing else for the rest of the game oh yeah because we, we, we um, handled the Lions really got, well didn't we <laughs> some, some guy called Jamarcus Bradley was catching passes. Like I've, I've no idea who that is. Nick Nick Chubb's Nick Chubb. He's he's for me the best running back in in the league. And the Lions have got a, a pretty decent run defense, which which we know about. Chubb had twenty two carries, one hundred and thirty yards, average of five point nine. His longest run was fifteen yards. I, he's going to get his, but Baker Mayfield's hurt. I. Uh, they're not. They're not going to score points. We're fine, Gaz. We're good for this. Um, my my player prop, and it, and it's not even a big one. Baker won't finish this game. The, the Ravens don't have a ton of sacks. What they do have is a ton of QB hits. They lead lead the league in QB hits. So we've already seen the Denver game, the Bears game, and I'm pretty sure there was one other where we knocked the starting quarterback out of the game. Ba- Baker's on one arm, one leg already. He's 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 not going to finish this game, and. Honestly, we're probably better if he does stay in. Ravens win this one. Okay, Shane, where do you where do you sit on the Gaz to Ian scale? <sighs> I just find it so hard to predict from week to week. You know, every week I kind of think, okay, this maybe they'll get it together, and then I look back at the last what four games where it's just been they've just been hanging on by their fingernails, and we can discount the game. Uh, against the Bears, I think, because Huntley coming in, you can throw out the offensive performance. And I think probably we have more defensive injuries in that Bears game than we'll have against the Browns as well. But even then, even the games before that, it's they've been really clinging on. So I'm, I think it depends a lot on how broken the Browns actually are, because I'm concerned particularly if Brandon Williams stays out, I'm concerned with stopping this running game. Um, but I'm also concerned with 
this pass rush. They they have a joint league leader lead in sacks. Um, the the Browns do. They they share it. I think the three teams that are on twenty nine sacks uh, against this offensive line, which was holding up fairly well against pass rushes earlier on in the season, but now seems to have lost it completely. Um, and I've said a couple of times already in this podcast that Lamar's been holding the ball too long, so I think he will get sacks. Um, but it's just so hard to predict what this team is going to do from one week to the next. Um, I, th- I, th- I could honestly go either way with whether I think this is going to be a Ravens win or a Browns. You just, gi- um, you just give me a nod if you want me to play the music. I'm going <laughs> to... I think it's I think it is going to be close because I think the Ravens offense does score points. I think the Browns offense is struggling to score points and also I think AFC North matchups apart from our most recent one uh do tend to be quite close. So I th- I think I'm going to say 31-28 to the Ravens, but honestly I could go if you gave me another five minutes, I might go the other way. You're, you're both right. Villanueva against Garrett isn't isn't a fair fight. I think what's huge is having Nick Boyle back. Yeah, it's going to be just. I, I'd be amazed. Day, yeah, St- Stanley's gone up against Mars Garrett before one on one and done okay. I'd be amazed if they if they don't put Ricard over there, Boyle over there, Tomlinson, who, whoever else. Just just get everyone over that side. Okay, well, let's see. Let's see what Sunday night brings. And hopefully, I'll ask the Steelers. I think we'll beat the Steelers. So I think I'll be back into my usual um, overreacting self next week and pick us to absolutely hammer the Steelers. Okay, just very quickly before we get out of here, this podcast will come out on Thanksgiving. Now, how very corny of us, a UK podcast, to do something for Thanksgiving, but... Ian, I believe we are an international show now. Um, you had a quick look through the figures. How many countries are we in? And we have a decent presence in the US, don't we? We, we do. We do have a decent presence in the US. I was slightly concerned because for a while we had more listeners in California than we did in Maryland. But that's uh, that's turned around now. So uh, America's looking good. We're actually into 29 countries wow. so far. Yeah, very good. So some some pretty good ones as well. American Samoa, anyone? Oh yeah, every, every just uh, to pull back the curtain. Every time we go into a new country, Ian sends the flag into the group, and we all have to try and guess which country it is before he'll tell us. So with that in mind, um, we just wanted as a podcast just to sort of say thank you and what we're thankful for, and and that is you guys for supporting the podcast. It's we're still in this first year. We have. I, well, I think we have good weeks and bad weeks and you stick with us throughout and we get lots of real nice feedback through the social medias. And so for just thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. We will continue to progress. We will continue to get better. And hopefully you guys will all continue to listen and, and continue to enjoy it. And just on that note, I just want to personally say thank you to Shane, Ian, Ben and James as well. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. It's now become something I look forward to recording every Tuesday night and it's nice to catch up and, and talk Ravens and, and give us a reason to be so involved with the team, even though it was so easy last year to just be so, um, sorry, not last year, in 2019, to be so into Ravens news. You'd watch YouTube highlights every Monday because it was always Lamar Jackson, the wonder kid, Lamar Jackson, this. And this year it's been a little bit harder. And actually getting together with you guys on a Tuesday and 
talk about the good and sort of going into therapy sessions over the bad has been really enjoyable for me. So thank you to you guys for for putting up with me and everything as well. So thank oh, you. thanks, guys. Same here. Are you going to have to start playing the sad music again now? Aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get out of here before I start crying. Uh, we'll be back next week, Thursday, it's the second of December. It's December already. Oh no. We are going to review the Browns games, catch up with any Ravens news, and preview the Sunday late window game against the Steelers, which is a 955 As always, if you'd like to be involved with the show, please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. Until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Hiya, Gaz here. So I've been leaving little Easter eggs at the end of this podcast for the last couple of weeks. Just wondering if anyone ever notices them. Who listens to a podcast this long? How long has it been? Way too long, probably. Anyway, we've got a little bit of a budget for some prizes. So I've left this little Easter egg here to say, if you have listened this far into this ridiculously long podcast, please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com with the phrase, winner, winner, turkey dinner, because it's Thanksgiving and that, in it. And the first person to send that email will receive something from Ian. I'm not quite sure what it is. Ian just told me we've got a little bit of a budget to buy someone something from the store. So, winner, winner, turkey dinner to ukravenshow at gmail.com. First person to do it, get some free stuff. Get in.